0: Sabrina, thank you so much for opening up and sharing part of your story with us. Thank you. And what, yeah, let's give her a hand. And what we need to know is each and every one of us who are a follower of Jesus, who call ourselves Christians, we have a story to tell. And each of our stories may be different, they may be unique, but we all have experienced the life-changing power of Jesus in our life if we are a Christ follower. And so think about your story and how your story can influence other people. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. As I've read through God's Word and I've studied God's Word for a number of years, I've come to the conclusion that there are only two things that can separate us from God. The first one is unforgiven sin. The second one is an unforgiving spirit. The first leads to guilt. The second leads to bitterness. The only thing we can do for the first is to experience the forgiveness of God. And the only thing that we can do for the second is to express the forgiveness of God to others. And as Jesus teaches us this morning, we discover that these two things are eternally linked together. For the last five weeks, we've been in a series that we've called FaceTime, connecting with God through prayer. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is connecting with Almighty God. It's as if you and I, God's children, have the opportunity to have a face-to-face conversation with God. And Jesus wanted to teach his disciples how to pray. His disciples wanted to learn how to pray, so Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer. Now, as we conclude this series this morning, we're going to talk about forgiveness, but before we do that, I want us to take a few minutes to review. The first thing that we learned is prayer begins with a relationship. That's why Jesus said, "Father, As we begin to pray. You see prayer is not some formal presentation that we present. Prayer is a personal conversation with our Heavenly Father. It's as if we as children are climbing into the lap of our Heavenly Father having a conversation with Him. But you need to remember that God is not the Father of everyone. We can only have God as our Father if we have entered into that relationship with Him. And the way we do that, the Bible says, is either being born into His family or adopted into His family. And both of those pictures take place when the Holy Spirit of God comes into our lives. And that happens when we repent of our sin and place our faith in Jesus. And so if you want powerful prayers, you have to have personal prayers that come from a personal relationship with God. Now the second phrase that Jesus gave us in the Lord's Prayer was, Holy be your name. As we enter into the presence of God, we don't enter into God's presence uh, telling God what we want. The very first thing that happens when we enter God's presence is we are overwhelmed with his holiness. And when we are overwhelmed with his holiness, that drives us to our knees in worship. You see, God and God alone is worthy of our praise. That's why David said we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise. Now the third thing that Jesus taught us about prayer had to do with the very foundational truth of what prayer is and that is surrender. Jesus said your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. You see prayer is not about getting God to do something for me. Prayer is about surrendering my will to God's will. Some of us have this idea that God is like a genie in a bottle. That, that we free so that he can meet our every need. But prayer is not about that. Prayer is about discovering and then doing God's will. It's about walking God's way. It's about about following God's plan. Now, last week, we we talked about that area of prayer that most of us associate with prayer, and that is asking God to meet our needs. And biblically, we discovered that there are, are two ways that we ask God to meet needs. The first one is petition, and petition is when we ask God to meet our needs Our wants, and we should all do that. But the second is intercession. And intercession is when we go before God asking God to meet the needs and the wants of other people. And as Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, he told us there are two specific needs that we need to focus on. The first one is our physical needs. Jesus said this is what we're to pray. Give us today our daily bread. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus said give us our daily bread. He didn't say give us our weekly bread, our monthly bread, or our yearly bread. He said give us our daily bread. It's as if God wanted to teach us that we should always depend on him To meet our needs. And the Bible says that our God will provide all of our needs. According to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So we pray that God will meet our physical needs. And the physical needs of of other people that we know. But then we also pray for spiritual needs. Jesus said we're to pray lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. As we are praying, we're praying that God would give us power and strength to overcome the temptations that this world throws our way. That we have the power to overcome our enemy, Satan. But today, as we wrap up this series, we want to focus on prayer. And I want you to notice what Jesus said we were to pray in verse 5. And then I want you to notice what he said about this prayer in verses, or verse 12, and then what he said about this prayer in verses 14 and 15. Now, now, if your Bibles are open, follow along as we read verse 12, 14, and 15. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And, and then Jesus gave us this commentary on what he said. He said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, now if your Bibles are open and you have a pen, I encourage you to either underline or circle that word but. That is an important word. But, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now the first thing I want you to notice is this. Asking for God's forgiveness should be a regular part of our prayers just like asking God to meet our needs. If we are daily asking God to meet our needs, we should also be asking God to forgive us our sins. You see, when a person enters into a relationship with Christ, when a person becomes a Christian, they don't cease being a sinner Any more than they cease being human. It is true that God gives us a new nature. We are born again into his family. But it doesn't take us long to realize that we still have this old nature that we're battling against. And there are times that this old nature takes control of our life. And when this old nature takes control of our life and we give into that old nature, it will get us into trouble and it will break the fullness of the fellowship that we have with our Father. And when that fellowship is broken because of unconfessed sin, we're going to struggle with guilt and we're going to lose the joy. Of our salvation. That's why King David prayed this prayer in Psalm when he when he sinned against God. He said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Notice David didn't say, Lord, restore my salvation. David didn't lose his salvation, but he lost the joy of his salvation because of sin, because of undealt with, unconfessed sin. And he was praying, God, restore that joy. I once had. You see, the reason that there are so many miserable, unhappy Christians in our world today is because we have dealt with our sin the wrong way. Some of us try to ignore our sin. We believe that if we ignore it long enough, it'll go away. But I want you to hear me your your sin and your guilt won't go away by simply ignoring it. You may no longer feel that guilt. But it's not because it's gone away, it's because your heart has become callous, it's become hardened toward God. You don't ignore your sin. Other people try to cover up their sin, their desire is to cover it up so that, that no one will hopefully ever know the sin they've committed. But I want you to know that the Bible tells us that what we cover up, one day God will uncover. And so you need to understand today that you don't deal with your sin by trying to cover it up. There are others of us that try to blame other people for our sin. When we sin, when we mess up, we blame it on our our heritage, our parents, or we blame it on society, or we blame it on our friends instead of owning it and taking responsibility for it. And some of us even try to make amends for our sin. We, we have this idea that if I do enough good to offset the bad in my life, then the guilt and the shame will go away and I will be forgiven. But you need to understand this morning that none of those things will ever deal with the sin in our life. And, and none of those things will ever take away the guilt in our life. The guilt can only be removed when we confess our sin... And we experience the forgiveness of God. I want you to listen to what David said in Psalm 32 verse 1. He said, What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What joy when sins are covered up. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. Man, I got to tell you, I love that passage. Because it tells me that my guilt can be forgiven. My sins can be covered up, not by me, but by God. And my record can be cleared. But I want you to notice Jesus also taught an important principle in this passage. He told us that my ability to experience God's forgiveness is directly related to my willingness to express God's forgiveness. Let me say that again. My ability to experience God's forgiveness is directly related to my willingness to express God's forgiveness. Our forgiveness of others and God's forgiveness of us go hand in hand. So this morning, I want us to answer two questions. First of all, how can we experience forgiveness? And I want you to know that, that I'm talking primarily to believers, Christians, followers of Jesus who are coming to God on a regular basis seeking forgiveness. Our desire is to live a holy relationship with Him. So what do we do when we are praying so that we can experience this forgiveness of God? Four things. First of all, we ask God to reveal any known sin in our life. If I want to live in a, in a relationship with God that is clear and clean, I need to ask God to reveal any sin in my life. Now, there are some sins that are like flashing neon lights, aren't they? I mean, we just can't miss them. We, we commit these sins and we know instantly that we have sinned. We are overwhelmed by that sin. But there are other sins that we commit that we think, that, that's no big deal, that's just a little thing. And did you know there are some things that we do, there are some thoughts that we have, there are some attitudes that we have that are sins that we don't even know that they are sins. That's why we need to take the attitude that David had when he said in Psalm 139, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, You see, if your desire is to really connect with God and become intimate with God, then you need to allow God to search you. And I want you to notice what David asked God to search. Both of them were internal. He said, search my heart and search my mind. You see, our sins originate in our heart but our sins incubate in our mind. And so we need to ask God, is my heart right with God? Or are the things that are in my heart breaking the heart of God? And then we need to ask ourselves, are the things in my mind, the thoughts in my mind, pleasing to God? Do I have the mind of Christ? I gotta tell you, That if you desire an intimate relationship with God and you will go before Him asking Him to search your heart and search your mind and show you any sin, He will reveal sin to you. The second thing you do is when that sin is revealed, you admit it to God, you confess it as sin. You accept full responsibility for it. You don't blame the situation you're in or the circumstance you're in or society. You own up to your sin. Lord, I've sinned against you. Listen to what David said in Psalm 32 verse 5. He said, then I acknowledged my sin to you and you did not, co- and you covered up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to you, Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Notice what David said. David said, I have acknowledged my sin. I did not cover it up. I confessed it, and you forgave me. That's what John said in First John 1.9. He said, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it all begins with confession. It all begins with owning up to the fact that we have sinned against Almighty God. We ask God to search us. We admit our sin to Him. And then third, we alter our conduct. You see, confession, biblical confession, always results... In a change of life. You see, God not only wants you to be free from the guilt of sin, God wants you to be free from the power of sin. A person who wants forgiveness for sin, but doesn't want deliverance from sin, hasn't really understood the seriousness of their sin. You see, when we understand how horrible sin is, when we recognize that it was our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross, we don't want to hold on to that sin. We want to get rid of that sin. We want that sin removed from our life. And that's what repentance is all about. The word repentance, metanoia, means a change of mind that results in a change of direction, a change of conduct. I was living life my way. I was doing what I wanted. And I was confronted with the holiness of God. And I turned from my sin and I turned to Jesus. And now I want to live for him. You see, when we repent, it changes everything. That's why it says in Acts 3 verse 19, repent, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. When we repent, our mind changes about sin, we turn to God, it's then that our sins are wiped out. It's then that God refreshes our life and brings joy to our life. But there's a third thing we do, I believe, in this process of forgiveness, and that is we accept God's Forgiveness. You see, I could ask, how can I know that I've been forgiven? And the answer to that is simple. It's that God said he would forgive us. If we humbly come to him confessing our sin, repenting of that sin, God says he will forgive us. The prophet Jeremiah said, um, quoting the Lord, he said, I, the Lord, will forgive and forget sins. In Nehemiah 9 it says, "But you are a forgiving God, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. God has chosen to both forgive us and forget our sins." Now think about that for just a minute. I don't understand that. Now maybe you do, but my, my mind can't comprehend that. The Almighty, sovereign, all-knowing God, somehow some way, has forgotten. My sins. I don't understand how, but I'm glad He has. Because there are things in my past that I never want dredged up. I never want anyone to see them again. And God says that when we confess our sins to Him, He not only forgives us, He forgets those things. So, how do we have forgiveness? We ask God to show us our sins. We acknowledge, we admit that it's sin. We alter our conduct by repenting, turning from sin, and then we accept God's forgiveness. But remember, experiencing God's forgiveness is tied to expressing God's forgiveness. Forgiveness experienced should always become forgiveness expressed. The Bible makes that clear throughout the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted. listen, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. In Colossians 3, it says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other, and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Those of us who are Christians are called to be forgiving, and our forgiveness, the Bible says, is to cover whatever grievance. That means everything. In other words, because we have experienced the forgiveness of God, we should be willing to forgive anyone of anything and everything that they have ever done against us. Stephen is a perfect example of that. Remember Stephen? He was preaching the gospel and the people didn't like the message and they began to stone him to death. And as he was dying... He cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Rocky, you don't know what someone has done to me. And you're right. I don't know what someone has done to you. But I know what has been done to me. I know what I've experienced In 38 years of ministry, I've been cussed out, chewed out, slandered, misunderstood, misrepresented. I've had my kids talked about. I've had my wife treated unfairly. And all that has happened in the church. I know what it's like to hold on to an offense. I know what it's like to be unforgiving. I know what it's like to let that bitterness eat at me. And I can tell you right now, it's not worth it. So what have you gone through? Some of you have had an employer wrong you or a friend betray you or a parent abuse you or a spouse deserts you. I get it. You've been hurt. You've been wronged. Somebody owes you something But the Bible was saying that if you've experienced the forgiveness of God, whatever they have done to you, you are to express that forgiveness to the people who have hurt you. Let's go back to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. He said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, listen, if you refuse to forgive others your Father will not forgive you your sins. Now chew on that for just a moment. Think about that. I mean, whenever I come to a passage like that, I wake up. I mean, there are sometimes when I'm reading through my Bible that I kind of glaze over, and I get through with reading the passage, and I don't even have a clue what I read. Has that ever happened to you? But I mean, when I come to a passage like this, If you don't forgive other people, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. It causes me to pay attention. It causes me to wake up. I mean, what is Jesus saying here? Well, one thing he is saying is there is an inseparable link between our forgiving others and our being forgiven by God. Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Now, what does that mean? I mean, is Jesus saying that that if we forgive other people, then we're going to naturally be forgiven of all of our sins? No, that's not the way forgiveness works. But I believe what Jesus is saying here is this. People who have experienced the forgiveness of God in their life will be forgiving people. Did you hear me? People who have truly experienced God's forgiveness will understand the need to forgive other people as well. So, how do we do that? I'm going to just give you four things and we're going to close. First of all, remember God's forgiveness. You deserve hell. Can I just be blunt? You deserve hell. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You deserve the wrath of God, and so do I. I've rebelled against the Almighty God, my Creator. I have gone my way instead of His way, not once, but multiple times. I deserve His wrath. But through Jesus, He has chosen to forgive me. He sent his son to pay the ultimate price so that I could be forgiven. So whenever I think that that I shouldn't forgive, I need to remember how much I've been forgiven. Remember that Jesus forgave you. Second, release those who have hurt you. That's an act of the will. Release them. Release them from the debt they owe. Release them from having to say they're sorry. Release them from having to pay back. Release them from doing this or doing that. Release them. The Bible says in Leviticus 19, never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone. In Ephesians 4 it says, don't sin by nursing a grudge. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Get over it quickly. The third thing. Reach out to that person you need to forgive and love. Reach out to them. In Luke 6, Jesus said, But I tell you, hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Here's what I've discovered. If I want my feelings to change about someone, my actions have to change first. I don't change my action or my feelings and then my actions follow. It's the other way around. I change my actions and all of a sudden I find myself feeling love to a person and not hate. I find myself wanting to forgive rather than holding a grudge. We reach out to people and, and serve them in love, seeking what's best for them. And then finally we repeat that as often as needed. Because here's what I've discovered. Maybe this doesn't happen to you. But what I've discovered is when I forgive someone for what they've done to me, if they do something else, everything that they have done wrong to me comes back to my mind. Now maybe you're not that way. Maybe you're a whole lot more spiritual than I am. But I'm not that way. And so whenever I'm hurt, every hurt comes Rushing back into my mind. And so I find myself having to repeat that forgiveness over and over and over. And that's what Jesus said. Remember the story of the unforgiving servant? Peter came to Jesus and and it says this in Matthew 18. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. I mean, that was gracious But Jesus answered and says, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, you just keep on forgiving over and over and over. As many times as needed until all of the hurt, all of the pain is washed away. Now, what is it that you need? You may be here this morning and you need to experience God's forgiveness in your life. You've never done that. Or or maybe you're here this morning and you've experienced God's forgiveness, but you're holding on to a grudge and you need to express that forgiveness to someone else. I'm here to tell you that until you experience God's forgiveness and God deals with your guilt, and you begin to express God's forgiveness so that you can get over that bitterness, you're never going to live life the way God wants you to live. So what is it you need? I want you to bow your head with me and close your eyes. And with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, if you're here... And you've never trusted Jesus to save you. You've never come to him humbly acknowledging that you've rebelled against him. And you want to do that today. You want to receive his forgiveness. Let me encourage you to pray this prayer. Whether you're in this room or somewhere at home. Dear God, I come to you humbly this morning. Acknowledging that I have rebelled against you. I've lived life my way. I am so sorry. Today, I realize that you are God and you love me and you've done everything needed to forgive me and save me. Father, I believe that your son Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for me. Father, I believe that he rose from the dead defeating sin and death. Jesus, I'm trusting you to save me. Come into my life Take control. Make me brand new, I pray. Now if you're here and you're a believer and you're holding on to a grudge and bitterness is beginning to eat at you and you're ready to release that bitterness, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me right now. Dear God, I humbly come to you this morning thanking you for forgiving me. I don't deserve your love, I don't deserve your grace, I don't deserve your mercy, but you gave it. Forgive me for not expressing your forgiveness to others. Lord, I pray that I will see the person who has hurt me the way you see them. Father, give me the strength and give me the desire To minister to them in love. Change my heart toward them. I pray in Jesus name. Amen.